This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for September 6, 2019. In this week's episode, a new Firefox beefs up security, Twitter disables SMS, a warning on WordPress, malware on iOS, and deep fakes. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. In a couple of days, we're going to know about the next iPhone, the next Apple Watch, and probably a bunch of other new gadgets. Are you looking forward to that, Josh? Yeah, I I mean, Apple always has some great announcements. Um, we pretty much know what's coming software-wise, and it's possible that Apple might announce some new additional features that they haven't mentioned before about Catalina and iOS 13. Um, and presumably, we'll also get a release date or a more accurate specific time frame for when we're getting all these new services like the new gaming service and things like that. Yes, Arcade and Apple TV Plus, we should hear about these things. As you say, there could be features that they haven't announced and sometimes they wait till the last minute for some of the really hip features, especially if they depend on specific hardware in the new devices like, you know, let's say the iPhone has some I don't know, barometric pressure tester or maybe he already has that but anyway if the apple watch can all of a sudden tell your fortune they'll tell us about it next week and i think apple's timing is really good so their presentation is on the 10th of september and they've timed this so next week in our 100th episode we can discuss apple's new products for 2019 yeah it's pretty cool 100 episodes we've got a lot of news this week we've got some really interesting news and something that i find almost i don't know Gibsonian, is that what you say, for like um, the sort of cyberpunk world that William Gibson foretold? And Ah. he wasn't, of course, the only one. Um, Let's start with Firefox 69 blocks third-party tracking cookies and crypto mining by default. Yeah, this is a a nice welcome feature. Um, We we just recently had uh, an article on the Intego Mac security blog, and also we had a, a special podcast episode where we talked about browsers and which one to choose, which ones are best for your privacy. This one actually, this latest version of Firefox will actually block third-party tracking cookies by default, which I'm surprised that wasn't already a feature. It seems like that should have been by now, Uh, but they're finally doing that and that's great. And they're also doing something to make sure that uh, cryptocurrency mining doesn't happen in the background without your consent. So they're blocking that by default as well, which is great. Um, This is something that we've, we've talked about before, how websites can use JavaScript to mine for cryptocurrency like Monero, uh, similar to Bitcoin and things like that. And when it does that, it uses your uh, processing power. It can heat up your laptop if you're using a laptop or whatever device you're using. Because, it can kill your battery if you're on a laptop. And yeah, it certainly can. And so this is great. Uh, this is, I mean, cryptocurrency mining in the browser is generally not something that anybody actually wants. 
And so it's smart to block that by default. So they say that they're blocking third-party tracking cookies. And I find this interesting. Uh, My partner and I go to the theater often here in the UK, and there's one company that provides the most commonly used software for booking theater tickets here. And the other day I went to look for tickets for a show and I got to a page and I'm looking at it now. It says cookies to book tickets online. We use cookies to keep track of your shopping basket while you progress around our site, et cetera, et cetera. We can't set cookies on your browser. So we can't go any further with your booking right now. Now I have my browser set to accept cookies. The only possibility is that they're using some weird third party tracking cookie for this purpose. um, Because It's like the software that runs this is embedded in the website of the theater. And I've seen this for several theaters. And what they say is that you have to go into private browsing mode in Safari. And that actually works. I thought private browsing mode, I guess it sets a cookie, but they're deleted when you close the window. And I don't understand why I can only use these pages in private browsing mode. Probably what this has to do with is that when you are in private browsing mode, some browsers may behave a little bit differently than what their default setting is. And when you're in the regular mode, it probably treats cookies a certain way by default. When you're in private browsing mode, it doesn't necessarily matter so much that cookies get set. Because if they do get set, then once you close all of your private browsing windows in that browser, then that private browsing session closes out. And so anything that was cached or any cookies are going to be gone. So that could be why maybe Safari behaves a little differently in private browsing mode. Plus that private browsing session won't be able to access cookies of your previous browsing sessions to be able to add information to your profile. Right. right. So I guess that makes sense. It's annoying, but it makes sense. Okay. In other news, you use Twitter. I know you use Twitter and I use Twitter and Sometimes we watch on Twitter and funny things happen. And something funny happened last week. Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, well, his account was hacked. And I don't remember if this was morning or afternoon. And I had just gone to Twitter and I see Jack's account because I follow Jack like a lot of people. And I'm seeing all these weird words and discussions of political groups and things that Jack may be a strange guy, but he definitely wouldn't have tweeted these things. And This lasted about a half an hour, I think. There were a dozen or more tweets that I saw, and then they got deleted. Um, His account got hacked. This is the guy who runs Twitter, who's supposed to know how to use Twitter. Um, What happened here? Okay. So I think the main thing here is that two-factor authentication has been broken, or at least ways of implementing two-factor authentication on Twitter have been broken for a while. Um, we've mentioned before that there's a problem with using SMS text messages for your second factor authentication. Um, and the reason for that is because of something called SIM swapping. It's possible for somebody else to, who knows your phone number to basically just impersonate you. Um, and there has also been a problem with Twitter, where uh, because of Twitter's origins, Twitter used to be a service before smartphones were even around or or popular for sure. And you used to use like a flip phone to send a tweet if you wanted to. Uh, you know, you would text a particular number 
and type in the contents, you know, that's actually why Twitter had a 140 character limit originally because of ah, that explains it. The SMS character limit. Exactly. And so once people started using smartphones and computers to send messages to Twitter instead of, of their phones, they kept that limit for a while. And now it's 280 plus depending on certain things. But but that was kind of the origin of Twitter. And so there was a feature <clears throat> or bug, uh, <laughs> we might consider it today, that still allowed you to send text messages to to tweet. And basically what seems like happened here is that somebody was impersonating Jack by sending texts from his cell phone number or what looked like his cell phone number. And so Twitter just trusting that, oh yeah, of course, uh, it looks like Jack's number. So let's send it to Jack's account. And that's apparently what was going on here. So Twitter recognizes the phone number you send it for and automatically tweets it. Um, just yesterday, an actress named Chloe Grace Moretz had her account hacked, apparently by the same group that took over Jack Dorsey's account, according to Gizmodo. So this is not an uncommon feature. Now, we were talking about this before the show, and we were looking at Twitter's security settings. Um, I had read that Twitter had disabled this feature, but if another high-profile person was hacked yesterday, then apparently it's not disabled. Yeah, this, this gets really complicated, but um, one of the problems is that Twitter, in order for you to enable two-factor authentication, they need to have your phone number. And if they've got your phone number, then these problems can also happen as well. So, you can turn off two-factor authentication and only have a password to log into your Twitter account, which seems completely counterintuitive, right? You you want to have two-factor authentication on to protect your account, but by having your phone number associated with your Twitter account, you may actually be opening yourself up to being compromised. And before the show, we looked into this. We went into Twitter settings, and what we found was, for instance, I had my phone number there for two-factor authentication. I had also checked uh, a box that says to use a mobile authentication app. Now, I use 1Password for that, but there are other apps that you can use. And I said, well, this is a good time to take my phone number off. So I turned off two-factor authentication with text message. I turned it on with uh, 1Password. So 1Password will generate a new code every 30 seconds. And that turned off two-factor authentication completely. So you cannot use two-factor authentication without giving them your phone number. This is so messed up. <laughs> yeah. Twitter has, has done some things wrong. I wouldn't be terribly surprised if what happened to Jack was sort of hacktivism, you know, where somebody was trying white to make hackers. a point. Yeah, where, where, where people were kind of, I wouldn't necessarily call them white, white hat hackers, but. Yeah, okay. But, but, but people who are trying to hack in order to sort of, um, to, to demonstrate that there's a weakness. Exactly. To demonstrate there's a weakness and sort of force the company's hand and force them to fix this problem that has been an ongoing issue for years. Because many, many other accounts have been hacked uh, using the exact same methods. And so, you know, maybe the way to get this fixed is to, to do it to the CEO of Twitter. I'm not saying that anyone should do something like that, but hey, I mean... It does get their attention, doesn't it? It seems to have maybe finally gotten their attention. 
In other telephone number related news, 419 million records from Facebook users have been discovered online, according to TechCrunch and Mac Rumors. Um, I think we've said in the past, don't give Facebook your phone number because they initially said it would only be for security. And then they started using it to send text message notifications and spam. I've never given it to Facebook. Remember, Instagram is owned by Facebook, so don't give it to Instagram either. This Apparently, there are 133 million records from U.S.-based Facebook users. That's a third of the population in the U.S. I don't know how many U.S. Facebook users there are, but that's a lot. It said 18 million from the U.K. and 50 million from people in Vietnam. That's just bad. I, I mean, these we have a story about Facebook almost all the time. Um, you know, if, if you are already using Facebook, you know, they already have a lot of information about you. Um, you can delete your phone number out of Facebook. Um, of course, if you do that, then they've still got it somewhere in some old record. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're going to delete it. It doesn't mean that they will not have any record of your phone number anymore. It just means that they may not have it directly tied to your account in the active system anymore. But whenever there's, you know, some data breach that gets, you know, leaked, you know, it may have been an old breach that still had your number in the system. And, you know, so there's, there's problems like that. One of the reasons these companies suggest you add a phone number is so people can look you up using your phone number. And this is the case on Facebook, Twitter, I think Instagram as well. And you might want to do that if you've got friends and you give someone your phone number and here's my phone number, you can find me on Facebook. Rather than them searching if your name is John Smith and there are 5,000 John Smiths on Facebook, these things always happen when a company tries to make things easier for something. Yeah. <laughs> Easy is not always the best <laughs> in cases like this. Um, you know, it, it's it's a convenience versus privacy and security trade-off, right? Um, we see this all the time where it's not necessarily convenient to be more secure or more private, but um, you know, if you if you don't give your phone number out, um, then you, you, you know, your, your privacy is a little bit better maintained in most cases. Okay. Really quickly, there has been a critical backdoor attack warning issued for 60 million WordPress users, according to Forbes. Now I use WordPress. The Intego Mac security blog uses WordPress. Tens, hundreds of millions of people around the world use WordPress. Um, it turns out that there are a bunch of old plugins that haven't been updated that have security vulnerabilities. Hackers can check which plugins are available on your site. It's a pretty easy command on a website, um, a request that you can send to find out which plugins are available. And this article lists some of them. Um, I assume that these are not all the plugins that can be hacked. Uh, it's pretty simple. If you run WordPress, two things to do. Keep everything up to date, but also check your user list. Check to see if there's anyone with an admin account that's not you or someone you set up. What these attacks do is create a new admin user account. And then what they'll do is they'll inject pages into your blog and they'll send those links out in spam. So, you know, sometimes you get a phishing email and it says click here for PayPal, but it's really going to someone's WordPress site deep down into a plugin someplace. Right. And the other thing that they'll do is um, just, just by putting a new blog post on your WordPress blog, 
if you happen to rank pretty well in Google, then the other thing that they'll often do is they'll just stick a link into a page and then they'll have that link bounce through a whole bunch of redirections and you'll get something like Crescent Core, like we talked about recently, which is uh, an example of Mac malware that we discovered in the, in the wild. One of the samples that we found was exactly through something like this, where there was a blog that had a link and somehow this blog, you know, maybe before it got hacked or something was ranking highly in Google already. And someone put up a post, presumably it was something like this. Um, and then that link will redirect and you may end up hitting a page that's going to try to serve you malware. So um, this is something that the bad guys want to do for a bunch of reasons, for spam, for infecting people with malware. Um, it's nasty stuff. So you want to make sure that you're very, very careful that you, if you run your own WordPress blog. Uh, Self-hosted, yeah. Right. If you're self-hosting WordPress um, or if you have a third party that's doing it for you. In other words, yeah. if you're doing something different than having WordPress itself maintain your blog. Right, then, on WordPress.com. Exactly. Then what you need to do is make sure that you are always up to date on the latest version of WordPress, uh, that you're patching those vulnerabilities, in other words, whenever there and are particularly the plugins as well. Right. And, and that's the second thing is make sure your plugins are up to date. In this particular case, it's not a bug in WordPress itself, but there are flaws that have been discovered in a whole bunch of WordPress plugins or old versions of them in many cases. So make sure to keep your plugins up to date. Only use the plugins that you really, really need to use exactly for this reason, because you never know when someone's going to find a vulnerability in a plugin. Okay, we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and we've got some Chinese news to talk about. We're going to talk about deep fakes. If you've heard that word and you've wondered what it is, we're going to tell you everything about deep fakes. If you or someone you know has got a new MacBook or iMac or switched to the Mac from Windows, be sure to check out Intego's new Mac User Center. It's a one-stop collection of the things you'll need to know about using your Mac. Intego's new Mac User Center covers plenty of the basics to get you running smoothly and smartly in no time. Of course, one of the first steps you'll want to take is to install Mac security software from Intego to keep yourself protected. And right now, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get 40% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. And then use the promo code PODCAST19 at checkout to save 40%. That's PODCAST19 to save 40% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. Just last week, we talked about how Google discovered a bunch of vulnerabilities in iOS. And I think the day we recorded last week, another story came out. Uh, we'll link to the Hacker News. Google discovered that your iPhone could get compromised just by visiting certain websites. 
essentially, this is, I guess this is sort of a drive-by malware. It's not a download. You load a site and your phone gets compromised. Um, fortunately, this was not boot persistent, which means if you rebooted your phone and didn't go back to the website, you wouldn't have the problem. But these are very, very, very serious issues. Uh, these have been going on since 2016. Right. These vulnerabilities were first uh, uh, evidently in iOS that far back. And they've only just recently been discovered by the white hats, by the good guys. And so interestingly, um, this was, of course, Google's Project Zero, again, who revealed that there have been all of these bugs and that apparently they've been used in the wild. Um, there were some accusations that apparently the like, Chinese government was targeting iPhones with a watering hole campaign and infecting uh, people's phones. Now, okay, so wait, wait, is- watering hole? I don't know that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, th- there's a, a tweet from Eva Galperin, uh, the director of cybersecurity at EFF, where she was talking about how um, apparently these vulnerabilities have been have been targeted toward iPhones. But interestingly, at the time um, that this blog post was written, Apparently, some people at Google hadn't realized that, yeah, this is also happening to Android phones as well. Or could it be that Android is created by, what's the name of that company? Oh, yeah, Google. Google, right. And they didn't want to say that it was an Android (laughs) problem. They let everyone talk about it being an iPhone problem. And then, come Friday evening, at the take out the trash time, as we say in public relations, they kind of mentioned it was Android too? (laughs) Well, yeah, that's, I mean, a a very valid, I would say, conspiracy theory. But in any case... It's not conspiracy. This is just good PR practice. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Crisis management. Crisis management, yeah. So in any case, uh, apparently this has been going on for a while. You know, this doesn't surprise me at all. These are generally the kind of, of attack that you don't normally have happening in the wild to just anybody. It's not the kind of thing like we were just talking about where, you know, uh, you happen to do a Google search and then you come across some infected WordPress page that redirects you to some malware. It's usually not something like that when you're talking, especially when you're talking about iOS vulnerabilities. Remember, we've talked recently about how there's not really been any significant malware threat to iOS ever. Uh, I mean, there have been a few kind of questionable apps, actually quite a few questionable apps in the app store. And there has been a worm that specifically infected old jailbroken iPhones, but this is- Which weren't using the full security suite that's in iOS. Right. And, and that didn't have their default uh, root password changed on them, uh, which you only need to do if you have jailbroken your iPhone. Um, and so this is one of those things where there, this, this proves that there actually can be malware on iOS. Um, and that if someone is a sophisticated enough attacker, and if they're targeting you, they're going to be able to find a way to hack your device. So um, what is the takeaway? Should people be worried about this? If you've read this headlines about this and you're really concerned, I would say you probably 
don't need to be terribly concerned. Um, these are all vulnerabilities that have either been patched already or, you know, if there are similar vulnerabilities, then as soon as Apple becomes aware of them, they're going to patch them. If, th- this is the kind of thing that if you are someone who's interesting to a nation state attacker, someone who, you know, might want to hack into your device uh, and has that level of resources and money that they can throw at this, um, all bets are off. Um, unfortunately, there's no way to prevent somebody with that kind of money from getting into your device. And if you're really worried, just reboot your iPhone. <laughs> right. Yeah. In this particular case, but you don't know if you're not going to go back to the same website that had the malware. So it is kind of hard to know since we can't have antivirus software on iOS. How would right. you know? Exactly. Yeah. And we'll, we'll have an upcoming article on the Intego Mac security blog arguing that point that, hey, perhaps it is time, Apple, to finally allow antivirus software that actually can work properly with an, I, an iPhone. Once upon a time, it was possible to have a virus scanning app. In fact, Intego at one point had a virus scanning app in the in the iOS app store. But at some point, Apple said, you know, we don't want people to do that anymore. Um, essentially, what antivirus apps used to be able to do in iOS was to scan certain folders and, and some third-party apps. So you could scan your Dropbox, for example, with the iOS version of Virus Barrier. And Apple You could just, scan the user space, but exactly, not the system folders. Exactly. So you could. there wasn't any way, there never has been any way in iOS for uh, an antivirus program to to check your whole system and make sure you're not actively infected. And that's what we're talking about. Um, and and it, actually, at this point, Apple doesn't even allow anything antivirus-related. So you can't even scan your user directory unless you have something like Virus Barrier for Mac, which can scan uh, you know, your user folders on an iOS device when you attach it to your Mac. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about deep fakes because as a longtime science fiction reader, um, this to me is incredibly Gibsonian as in William Gibson. This is like cyberpunk coming into real life. Deep fakes are basically when someone is impersonating someone else, either by voice or now in video, and it seems real. Now, Josh, you and I have never met. We're sitting on opposite sides of the world looking in screens, and you might not even be you. You might not even be human for all I know, but I'm looking at you, and I'm seeing your face, and I hear your voice, and I recognize your voice. If you were to call me on the phone and say, hey, I need your help. I can't find my password to this, my voice recognition system would know it's your voice if it was. Well, there's a company in the UK that apparently got defrauded by about $243,000. The CEO of an energy firm thought that he was um, thought that his German boss, the parent company was in Germany, thought that the boss was calling and telling him to send 220,000 pounds to a Hungarian supplier within the hour. And he recognized the voice. He said, and, and I find this a little suspicious, he said he recognized his superior's voice because it had a hint of a German accent and the same melody. Now, being someone who has long worked with non-English speakers, um, it's not just that that makes you recognize the voice. There's the, the timbre of the voice that you do recognize. Um, what frequency range, the way people speak, the, the stresses and the way they say certain words. So it's more than just that. 
Apparently, the fraudster was so happy that he tried to do it again and called back. And by the third time he called back, they realized that something was fishy. Um, now, was this someone who was just impersonating a voice? Because we all know we've heard impersonators who are comedians who can impersonate voices. And, you know, there's a long history of people calling politicians and getting through and saying they're someone they're not, right? Or you'll get people on radio shows calling in saying they are politicians. So it's not totally uncommon. But if this is a deep fake IA-assisted voice, um, this is pretty scary because how can we ever trust anything? Yeah, they're actually so if if and if you're not familiar with deep fakes, I think we've mentioned them before, but basically you can do a search on YouTube for deep fake and uh, throw in a celebrity name along with it. Um, there, uh, there's an Obama deep fake that uh, actually looks pretty good. Uh, there's a Nick Cage, you know, <laughs> actually a whole series of Nicolas Cage deep fakes. Yeah, but hold on. Those deep fakes are different. They're edits. We're going to talk about a video in a second um, when, when we go on. Here the issue is how do you recognize what's the two-factor authentication when someone calls? How do you prove that that person is that person? Do you have to have a safe word? Do you have to ask the person, you know, who was your who was your favorite teacher in grade school? The kind of security question. What do we need to do to protect this? Um, you know, when it comes to when you're talking about just audio, this has been uh, something that has been around actually longer than video deep fakes. Um, you know, I don't know that there's necessarily um, a great way to tell, especially when you're talking about the phone, you kind of expect there to be some little glitches with the audio because, you know, it's never really perfect um, when you're talking about phone calls. So it it can be difficult. Um, I, I think that having a safe word or, or a, you know, something that you use uh, maybe a, if you're really paranoid, you might have a rotating list of, you know, of safe words. So on this particular day of the week or day of the month, maybe uh, it's going to be this safe word. And, and and if it's not that safe word on that particular day, then, oh, you know, this is a deep fake, right? Well, another thing you can do is if this is someone you interact with regularly, you could say, how was that softball game last night? Because you knew the person was playing softball. Uh-huh. And if the person acts like they don't know about it, then you know it's suspicious. Or if you know the person doesn't play softball and you ask how the softball game was and they say it went great, then you know they're not who they claim to be. Right. You see this kind of stuff in spy movies all the time where somebody, you know, uh, is making themselves look like somebody else. And uh, so, and then of course someone will ask a test question like that to see if the spy is really who they say they are, or if they're somebody, you know, faking it. You see this kind of thing in Tom Cruise movies all the time where, you know, in mission impossible or something where you've got somebody with this full getup and they look exactly, and they sound exactly like the person that they're impersonating, but a clever person will be able to catch that spy by asking the right questions. Okay, so audio is one thing, and video, we were talking about the Obama video earlier, and it was edited, it was a little clumsy, and you could pretty much see uh, what was going on. But there's a Chinese app called Zhao, which came out last week, and it is an extraordinary video deep fake app. We'll link to an article in The Verge, and you can see that someone put his face into um, some clips from Game of Thrones, and then further down, a selection of clips of Leonardo DiCaprio in different movies. Now, the first one 
is sort of showing how it works, showing the sort of scan on the faces as the face changes. So it looks clumsy. But look at the second one. Look at the DiCaprio. This guy's king of the world. He's, you know, he's Howard Hughes. He's in the big short or whichever movie that was. Um, this is, this scares me, this sort of thing, because when this happens, we can't trust any kind of video unless, unless we come up with some sort of way to watermark video to prove that it hasn't been manipulated. But since you always have to edit video, I'm not sure how that would work. There, there doesn't really seem to be any obvious good way to be able to recognize deep fakes, depending on how good they are. And, and they're getting better. And that's the concern. Well, these videos are really good. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, they are really convincing. The one with DiCaprio, you just don't uh, – th- there's no – there's no border that looks funny. There's no glitch uh, like in the Matrix or whatever when you saw the people. It it looks like it's this person. And apparently you can do this with just one photograph. All you need is to scan one photo and the app does it. I, I, this worries me. Um, I, I think today we're, we're at a point, um, The Verge has a pull quote, an almost immediate backlash from users over privacy. And because... Think of what this is going to happen. Okay, it's fun to put your face on DiCaprio, but people are going to, and I hate to just focus on this, you know, mean way of doing it. They're going to take the faces of women and put them on the bodies of women in order to shame them. And this is going to happen sooner than later. And, you know, think about what's going to happen with politics. Um, If you can put a politician's face on someone who's doing something, maybe having sex with someone or taking money or doing drugs or something, Uh, you know, how do you disprove it? Right. Well, and that's really, I I think that's one of the biggest concerns here. In addition to, as you say, personally, you know, uh, embarrassing somebody. um, When it comes to politics, now you're talking about something that doesn't affect one person or one family. Now you're talking about something that potentially affects global politics um, and you know, this is the kind of thing that potentially could, uh, y- you know, drive a bigger wedge, uh, w- you know, w- within a, a country divide further divide, you know, people, um, it could, uh, start wars potentially about, you know, because some politicians use services like Twitter a bit too much. And imagine if someone hacks this person's Twitter account with a video and a deep faked video with deep faked audio of this person saying something threatening to another country, you know, all bets are off. Yeah, that that's this, that's where the most scary thing about this. So if you combine what we just talked about, the jack hack, right? And yep. and deep fakes, imagine how somebody could potentially use that against, say, the president of the United States or someone else. I didn't want to mention anyone specific, sure. but well, I think it was I, obvious. Yeah, right. So, I mean, it is it is the kind of thing that um, I think people should it, – it's mostly something to be aware of, I think, at this point. Um, and be skeptical if you hear about there being some video or, you know, or an audio clip of a conversation, um, especially when it comes to something in politics. Um, because – you know, I, of course, the fact that deepfakes, of course, the fact that deepfakes even exist also gives celebrities and politicians an out because now they can just say, oh, that wasn't really me. That was just a deepfake. So it kind of works yeah. both directions, but it does. 
Um, but the problem is that if something like this comes out, it goes viral. And I will yeah. quote Winston Churchill, who said, a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to get its pants on. Yep. And with social media, uh, with the velocity of social media, um, it just takes minutes. I mean, when I saw that Jack Dorsey's uh, Twitter account was hacked, it wasn't very higher up in my Twitter timeline that news agencies were already reporting it. Um, BBC, CNN, Washington Post, things like that. It was just a matter of minutes. Um, so imagine, you know, anything like this is going to go so fast. The, the social media companies can't take this stuff down quickly enough. And, and there have been issues where they have been instructed to take down certain videos, but people just keep putting them up, uh, you know, anonymous accounts, and, and it's really easy to do. So uh, we don't have an answer, but I think what will be interesting is to find a solution to this, some sort of a certificate that validates that something is real. And I don't know if there's any way to detect something in the video or to create sort of like a chain of evidence that, that proves that something was shot. Like, like you may in a video camera or on a smartphone and eventually have a certificate that's connected with your camera to prove that this is the final, to prove that that device took the video that you're finally seeing. I think you hit the nail on the head there. This is this is something that um, we're going to have to see things like how we have app signatures, right? You've got um, a Mac app that needs to uh, be signed with a developer signature. It needs to be notarized now in Mac OS Catalina. Um, we're going to start having to have the same kind of things going on with audio files and video files um, where we can tell by looking at a signature that at the very least this came from some particular company and has not been edited since it came from that company or that individual. Right. That, that if something were done and there, let's take a video, it would have to be possible to edit like trim and cut, but there would have to be some way that that certificate would be able to tell if it had been manipulated other than just slicing. Right. So uh, th there are possibilities here. I mean, obviously we have to have uh, a new video format or at least a variation of an existing format to allow these kind of signatures to be there. But um, this is certainly possible. Hey, we have public key infrastructure, you know, public key cryptography. There are definitely ways to do this. Um, so we've got DRM on audio and video. So I'm sure the similar headers that are in the files could be used for a certificate. But here we're speculating yeah. a little bit too much. I think this is going to become an issue very quickly, though, and I'm sure that some very intelligent people are working on this. Yep. Okay. Um, join us in a week for episode number 100. I promise we will have a very normal episode talking about Apple's new products. We're not going to do a episode 100 recap, but we might do that for 104, which is two years, because that's a better, right. that's more of an anniversary. Exactly. That'll be our official two-year anniversary of the podcast. Okay, until next week, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the online show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. 
Intego.com.